You're listening to Brains On, where we're serious about being curious. Buckled in the back seat, near and far, it's a Brains On road trip in the car. We are just past the halfway point of the Brains On road trip. So the answer to your next question... Are we there yet? No, but we can listen to a podcast. How many do you have? As many as are available. This car has Wi-Fi. Cool. And because we're in this sleek, aerodynamic car, think of how much faster we're going to arrive than we would have 50 years ago. But still, my back is sore from sitting so long. No problem. I'll turn on your in-chair massage. Oh, nice. Hmm. How about you wake me up when we get there? Okay, but before you start napping, you still have to help out with today's episode. Oh, right. I just shut off the massage for a few minutes. Okay, ready. You're listening to Brains On from American Public Media. I'm Molly Bloom, and joining me again is our road trip co-host, Gabriella Hopper. Hi, Gabriella. Hey, Molly. Today, we're looking at car design. The look and feel of cars. Everything in your car, from the position of the armrest to the way the glove box opens. Even the sound your car makes. All of it has been carefully thought out and designed, but that has not always been the case. One of the earliest mass-produced cars was Henry Ford's Model T. When they first started rolling off the assembly line in 1908, design was definitely an afterthought. To keep the price down and make them quickly, Ford Model T's all looked the same. Any customer can have a car painted any color that he wants, so long as it is black. Still, the wow factor was huge. Just having cars on the roads where there used to be only horses and carriages, that goes a long way. And by a long way, I mean about a decade. After people began to see cars as less of a luxury and more of an everyday item, they wanted more options. You know, maybe not a black car? Maybe something that drove a little faster, or better yet, a little safer. Which brings us to this question from Idan in Evanston, Illinois. My question was, what parts are cars made out of? Whew, what are the parts that make a car? That's a big one. We talked about some of the parts under the hood in our episode about engines. That actually kicked off this road trip series, so check it out if you haven't already. But when it comes to design, innovation comes out of need. Take race car drivers. The very first Indianapolis 500 race was in 1911. Gentlemen, start your engines! Up to that point, two people sat in every race car. One focused on the road ahead and drove the car, while the other checked out the competition and looked to see if it was safe to change lanes. A driver by the name of Ray Haroon decided he could lose the weight of the passenger and replaced him with the first rearview mirror. Say, Ray, uh, where you going? Wait for me, Ray. Sorry, chum. Win or lose, I'm going solo. See you at the finish line. Haroon and his rearview mirror took home the checkered flag in that race. Mary Anderson patented the windshield wiper all the way back in 1903 during a stormy streetcar trip. Her idea didn't catch on at the time, sadly, and her patent expired. But another woman, Charlotte Bridgewood, took on the weather problem, and in 1917, she patented the first electric windshield cleaner. Her design used rollers instead of wiper blades. Clean windows help keep me and my little passengers safe. Charlotte passed her inventor's habits down to her daughter, Florence Lawrence. Historian John Heitman says Florence helped refine another safety feature. Well, it was around 1920 that I think a Hollywood woman, a Hollywood star, ended up playing a big role in the developing of the first 
turn signals. Oh yeah, in addition to being an inventor, Florence Lawrence was also a silent film star. And turn signals for the longest period of time in certain cars, and particularly in certain countries like Britain, uh, weren't electric turn signals. They were levers that when you hit the turn signal switch, a lever popped out of the side of your car that indicated you were turning. And those are called trafficators, and they're pretty cool. Soon, design decisions move beyond safety. Personal choice and comfort come into play. The car stereo is introduced in 1930, and people wanted to show off their cars in more than basic black. Colors are so important. Until the 1920s, colors are pretty limited. After the 1920s, we have new paints, and we get into a very colorful world of motoring. The reds, the yellows, the greens. And then after World War II, the pastels. And two-tone cars and three-tone cars in the 1950s. That's also about the time we see cars with bigger and bigger tail fins and rocket-shaped taillights. Designers are always borrowing from popular culture. This is about the time the world becomes obsessed with flying into space, and they want their cars to reflect those space-age dreams. Hey, Gabriella, this looks like a good place for a pit stop. We need some gas. Maybe you could play your conversation with Jay Schuster while we refuel and pick up some snacks. Oh, good idea. Jay has been around car design his whole life. He grew up in Detroit, where his dad designed cars. Jay's interests turned from cars to animation. And back, sort of. Jay is a designer from Pixar, and he's worked on the Cars movies. That means he's had to study many different eras of car design. He's helped come up with a lot of the characters in the series, including this year's Cars 3. I got a chance to ask him a few questions a few weeks ago. Okay, be right back. Hello, Jay. Hi, Gabriella. How are you? Yeah, I'm so excited to talk to you. Oh, I'm happy to be here, too. Thank you for having me. Did your dad help in the design for the first movie? He's not an official Pixar employee, but um, just from how he inspired me as a kid, he, yeah, I would say he did help in the, the design of the, of the first film. He doesn't have a credit in the film, yeah. but um, it was really an amazing experience coming to Pixar for the first time. I had so much stored up kind of knowledge from growing up in Detroit that uh, when I got the job here, it just kind of all came out at once yeah. <laughs> onto the page. Did you get to design the cars from scratch, or were you drawing someone else's ideas? So on Cars 3, um, I was a production designer, which means I drew a number of the cars myself. As a production designer, I was, I was responsible for all the design of all the characters that you see on the, on the screen, um, though I had uh, a handful of, of folks working with me on other designs as well. You know, I think my proudest moment on Cars 3 was the design of Jackson Storm. I think yeah. he's, he's, he's a really cool looking car. Yeah, I like him too. Jackson Storm is part of the next generation of high-tech racers. A rookie sensation. Jackson Storm. Jackson Storm. Jackson Storms in a class of his own. He looks fierce. <laughs> 
Yeah, he looks fierce. It's exactly right. And that's what exactly we were going for in in his shape and his color and his his graphic. Everything about him had to communicate that aggressiveness. And that was really fun to work on. What types of cars inspired the characters? Well, you know, on any given day, the walls of the art room, you know, it's, it's a big space that has these big black boards. They're about four by eight feet that we pin stuff up on. Basically, it's like a wallpaper of all kinds of different cars. And that'll change on a daily basis. If we're, if we're working on Storm, that room could be full of just the most aggressive race cars the world has to offer, plus different kind of graphic treatments and paint schemes and things like that. And we, we get most of our inspiration for these character designs by just doing a lot of research. Uh, we did a ton of research for Cars 3, because we do actually do some time traveling in, in our film. We have these really beautiful flashbacks to Doc Hudson racing. If uh, there's somebody in the audience who, who knows what uh, that era, the kind of the mid to late 50s uh, era looks like, we wanted to really nail what those cars were. So we had to make sure that you know, everything looked correct. You never know what's going to inspire the the next design of a character or, or of a, a building. In fact, I remember one of uh, the research trips that we took back to Detroit because Detroit is it was basically the birthplace of, or one of the birthplaces of the automobile, and it has such a rich history. Um, and and just going back into these warehouses full of old dusty cars and old, you know, rusting you know gas pumps and and ornaments and badges and, and just all this kind of ephemera that you, you find in car culture. We'll even go out into our own parking lot here at Pixar and it, that's, that's the great thing about these car designs. You can go out in anywhere and, and just really find inspiration on the street. <laughs> okay, we're gassed up, snacked up, and buckled in. Gabriella, I have a great road trip game. Oh, I want to play. It's time for the mystery sound. Mystery sound. Here it is. Okay, that was a mysteriously long mystery sound. Mm-hmm. What is your guess? Um, I think it was like a, ra- a thunderstorm. Because it had like, I could hear like rain patting down on the cement. That's what I heard. That, that is a great guess. We will be back after the break and see how close you are. Our next Versus episode is coming up in July, and we want to know which side you're on. Which do you think is cooler, deep sea or outer space? Send your argument to hello at brainson.org. It's your answers, questions, and mystery sounds that make this show possible. And in order to thank all the kids who share their energy and ideas with us, we started the Brains on a Roll. Listen for the most recent group to be added to this illustrious list at the end of the show. 
And if you're looking for some more fun to keep you busy in the car, you should subscribe to our newsletter. If you do, we'll send you some downloadable activity sheets dreamed up by the Brains On team that will help you pass the time in style. Today's episode is sponsored by Sitka Seafood Market. Seafood is a great source of long-chain omega-3 fatty acids, which can support heart health. Salmon is one of my favorite foods, and so it's so delightful when a box of amazing quality, beautiful salmon arrives at my door. Sitka Seafood Market sources from small boat fishermen and community-based processors that take great care to provide the highest quality seafood that is wild-caught, sustainably, and ethically harvested. And one of the best parts is Sitka Seafood Market offers a variety of flexible subscriptions that can come monthly or every other month. It's super convenient, so if you're going on vacation, you can pause or you can cancel anytime. I know you'll love it as much as I do. Go to SitkaSeafoodMarket.com and use code MOLLY35 for $35 off your first order of $100 or more. That's SitkaSeafoodMarket.com, promo code MOLLY35 for $35 off your first order of $100 or more. That's SitkaSeafoodMarket.com. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org academy. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org academy. You're listening to Brains On from American Public Media. I'm Gabriella Hopper. And I'm Molly Bloom. And today we're talking about car design. It's something that anybody who's ever been in or seen or heard a car has come in contact with. But is it the same for all cars? Or should I say trucks? Kaz from Bangalore, India, wrote in with this even bigger question. Hi, my question is, how are monster trucks different to cars? For the answer to this question, we have to make another pit stop. But don't worry, it's on the way. Where are we? You'll see. Hang on. Hi, guys. Come on in and get yourself hydrated. Oh, and are you ready to rumble? (laughs) Brains on producer Mark Sanchez checked out the monster truck scene recently. Yeah, and it's super exciting. Giant trucks jumping 30 feet into the air, popping wheelies, doing donuts, and crushing everything in their path. Sounds fun. Yes, exactly what Rosalie Raymer thinks. I'm Rosalie Raymer, the driver of Wildflower Monster Truck, and I'm the world's youngest professional female monster truck driver, and also a mechanical engineering student at Georgia Tech. I thought Rosalie would be the perfect person to answer Kaz's question, because she's been a professional monster truck driver since she was 14. 14! 14! 
Her dad is a driver, too, so Rosalie basically grew up at monster truck jams, fixing trucks and taking in all the action. Not only does she know every part screwed onto her truck inside and out, she's also helped come up with some modifications to suit her aggressive driving style, which I'll get to in a second, but not before we address the big, obvious difference between monster trucks and cars. The tires. Yeah, those things are huge. Each of those mammoth tires stands around 66 inches tall. To put it another way, that's 5 feet 6 inches tall. Or, to put it another way, that's as tall as Rosalie herself. Before we get into what's so special about these behemoth tires, we need to talk about hydraulics. Basically, it's the use of liquid to transmit power. And this idea is all around us, from roller coasters to rocket ships. Hydraulic power is in every car. And monster truck. In the case of Rosalie's tires, hydraulics are used to push her wheels left or right. Or both. My front steering is hydraulic, um, and it's through my steering wheel. So I turn my front wheels with my steering wheel. Just like a regular car. And then my rear wheels are controlled by a toggle switch. So I actually use a toggle switch right behind my shifter with my right hand to turn the rear wheels. Um, And that sends a signal to an electric motor, which basically turns the hydraulic pump to push my rear wheels either left or right, depending on which direction I push the toggle switch. With a set of rear wheels that can turn independently of the front wheels, her monster truck can make super tight churns, which comes in handy if you're doing tricks or spinning out donuts. All right, bigger tires and front and back wheel steering. What else? Well, one of the biggest differences is the design of a monster truck's chassis. That's the frame cars are built on top of. Yeah. A chassis is basically pieces of steel that have been welded together to form roughly uh, a rectangle. Once a chassis is in place, you can add tires, mountain engine, bolt-on floorboards, and attach doors. Here's Rosalie again. So a uh, monster truck chassis is a pretty intricate structure made up of tubing, metal tubing, um, that's all welded together. The chassis is kind of the backbone of the monster truck and and of a car. And the way we put them together is a lot more complex than a car. So a car, the chassis is pretty simple. It's usually just like one layer um, of all these bars and everything is mounted onto that. Um, With a monster truck chassis, um, it's 3D. So instead of a flat rectangle you might see on a car, A monster truck has a three-dimensional skeletal shape. It's of the entire truck. It goes all the way up and over Rosalie when she drives, too. You've probably seen them roll over once in a while, and so safety is a big factor for the driver. So our chassis ties in everything, all all of the parts, including the cab that the driver sits in um, and encompasses the driver so that when you roll over, uh, nothing happens. Good news for drivers who like to fly through the air. Yeah, Rosalie can jump her truck 30 feet into the air. That's like jumping off of a three-story building. I said earlier that Rosalie has a really aggressive driving style. And what that means, basically, is she likes to go really fast. And when you're doing that and churning in these giant trucks, they tend to want to tip over. And it was because of that that Rosalie and her dad came up with some special modifications to her truck. My truck has a very low center of gravity, so it sits really, really low to the ground. With, with a lower center of gravity, you're not tipping the truck as much when you turn really fast. So I can use a lot of throttle when I'm turning. And instead of 
tipping the truck over, it'll kind of slide into a turn. Or if I uh, go off a jump a little bit sideways, because of that low center of gravity, once again, it'll kind of stick low to the ground and land correctly instead of tipping over. In addition to racing and doing tricks at monster truck shows across the country, Rosalie is getting her mechanical engineering degree from Georgia Tech. Wow, she's really putting her years with monster trucks to use. Yeah, and there's still a little time for fun. Like right now, she's learning a new trick where she kind of flips her truck sideways. The trick is called a corkscrew. To corkscrew, you go off a backflip ramp uh, with only two wheels. But in order to propel your truck um, into that twist to land back on your front wheels, you actually turn your rear wheels um, as you're going up the backflip ramp. I was the third person to ever try one, and I have yet to land it, but I've only tried it once. I was probably about three quarters of the way through the corkscrew, um, and the side of my rear tire hit the ground first, and I was still in the throttle, so it was still spinning. So when that rear tire hit the ground, it actually, since it was still spinning, kind of uh, slammed my roof into the ground instead of uh, like letting me flip the rest of the way over. So I, I ended up on my roof. But there will definitely be another try. <laughs> Okay, back on the road and back to that mystery sound. Let's hear it one more time. Right. Any new thoughts? I don't think so. I think I'm going to stick with a thunderstorm. All right. Here with the answer is Garrig, Alice, and Audrey from New York. This is the sound of our car going through a car wash. In the car wash, your car gets clean, and there's a lot of noise. When the light turns green and the sign says go, when it says stop, the red light comes so you were close. Oh, I mean, wow. the rain coming down would sound a lot yeah, like being it in makes a car sense. wash. Have you been inside a car wash before? Yes, I have. It's so cool. I love it. Because the soap looks like a rainbow. And yeah. It is awesome. Yeah. Now, Gabriella, we have one more stop on today's leg of the road trip, and it's not a car wash. Oh, yeah. Motor City. That's right. Detroit. The center of automaking in the U.S. and where we get to speak with Ralph Gilles. So my name is Ralph Gilles. Um, I'm head of global design for Fiat Chrysler Automobiles, and I get to design uh, for Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, Alfa Romeo, Maserati, and Fiat cars. You may have seen the new Pacifica minivan, or maybe you're even in one now. Ralph designed that, but he's probably most known for designing the Chrysler 300. It's a sporty sedan with a distinctively large front grille. And he's had a hand in designing lots of cars. Welcome, Ralph. How you doing? Okay, so my first question is, generally, what does a car designer do? Okay, so a car designer, it's an art. It's an art career. So we sketch anything your eye can see. When you look at a vehicle, 
uh, stuff as dramatic as the entire shape of the car to the instrument panel. And nowadays we're getting even more involved with the, the electronics in the car, how those look. So it's, it's a pretty cool career that, that gets to touch a, a, a lot of aspects of the vehicle. Wow, that's we, really cool. And, yeah, and we work in teams. We work in teams of um, sometimes up to four or five people are responsible for one vehicle. Uh, then we, we work side by side with a huge team of engineers. So it, it takes, you know, at least 1,500 people to, to get wow. a car on the road. Yep. When did you first start to notice the look and feel of cars? Well, when I was a kid, when I was basically about six years old, I, I noticed cars. Um, I noticed what some looked better than others. I know some were actually kind of ugly. You know, I, I didn't like the way yeah. they looked. Uh, you'd walk by them and be like, why is that car so ugly or boring? And then other ones were like, wow, it's so beautiful. And I and I felt a huge difference in in happiness or emotion, whatever you want to call it, when I looked at certain cars. So those cars that you like, what specific parts were your favorite? The first thing I notice in a car is the shape. You know, the is the shape kind of sleek? Does it look like it cuts through the wind? Uh, if you think of of some of the most beautiful fish, right? They they have to to swim through water, and they're they're shaped a certain way. And cars are have to swim through the air, right? So they have a, a certain shape. Some of the more the fastest cars, like uh, supercars, like Lamborghinis and, and uh, Porsches and even Vipers, they have a certain shape because of that. So they it makes them look a little more futuristic. Uh, but sometimes a Jeep can be also interesting. How tough does it look, you know? So every car has a bit of a personality. Who are you designing for? Drivers, passengers, people on the street? Kind of everyone. I mean, that's the thing. It's like our sports cars are all about the driver. They're all about getting that thrill. And then our vehicles, like our, our trucks, are about working hard and pulling things. And and the minivan is about, you know, making the family safe and entertaining the kids and and carrying all kinds of stuff. So they're very different. We interview our customers a lot. And when we, we sit and ask them questions, they usually tell us what they're missing. You know, we try to anticipate what they don't have today and try to give it to them. What are the notable innovations in car design, like turning points where you might be able to treat some current ideas from? Well, that's a very good question. I think car design is evolving uh, very rapidly. And, and what happens with cars, there's technologies that come around. I'll give you an example. Like when I was growing up, there was really only two kinds of headlamps. There was square headlamps and round ones. Today, if you look at cars, their lamps are very different. Every single car has a unique set of headlamps. And within the headlamp, it's even more unique because the the technology, especially nowadays, we're using LED lights, which are very small and, and easy to package. Um, that's one of the things. A molding technology allows us to do shapes that we can only dream of, you know, 10 years ago. And what we're finding now is a technology from the tech industry is, is really uh, finding its way into the automobile. What will the cars of the future be like? That's uh, that's the kind of question I, that that keeps me up at night. <laughs> what will cars like be in the future? I think um, I think we're still going to have cars for a very long time. I think they're going to continue to get smarter. I think uh, if you look at a lot of the sci-fi movies, and, and, and they always show cars almost being like people, you know, almost being like uh, very smart. And I think that's the way the future will be. Your car will feel like almost like your best friend, where you can talk to it and you can ask it to do stuff, and uh, some of them will drive themselves, some of them will do, you know, will, will help you organize your day, will help you, you know, if you're lost kind of things. But I think cars are going to get really, really, really smart and be even more fun uh, to have and to own. Do you think you would be able to design a flying car? 
Wow. <laughs> the only problem with that is once you start flying stuff, then you have to use airplane regulations, which are really, really tough. I don't know mm -hmm. if you know this, but airplanes take 20 to 25 years to design. So um, it's a whole different challenge. So I think we'll, we'll stay on the road for now. Wow. Thank you. Awesome. It was great talking yeah. to you, and hopefully uh, you learned something from me. <laughs> I did. I did. All right. You take care, and dream big, okay? Thank you. The first mass-produced cars looked pretty similar. Ford's Model T famously only came in black. The more popular cars became, the more innovations, like windshield wipers. Car designers take cues from all over to come up with these new styles. Cars and monster trucks have chassis, but a monster truck chassis is 3D. Which can be a big help when you find yourself falling 30 feet and rolling onto your roof. That's it for this episode of Brains On. Brains On is produced by Mark Sanchez, Sandon Taunton, and Molly Bloom. We had technical support from Michael DeMarc, Zach Rosen, Roger Smith, Steve Griffith, Veronica Rodriguez, and Eric Stromstad. Special thanks to Carolyn Hopper, Rebecca Moore, Eric Ringham, Hans Buteau, Mike Mulcahy, Christine Hutchins, and Perry Lee. Now for one last stop on this road trip episode. This one is for all of you who have sent in questions, drawings, mystery sounds, and high fives. Here's the latest group to join the Brains Honor Roll. Evan from Redmond, Washington, Abe and Edie from Chevy Chase, Maryland, Jesse and Alec from Lehigh, Utah, Julia from Kent Island, Maryland, Ruti from Cambridge, Massachusetts, Laura from Dallas, Stella from Maine, Erica from Ottawa, Noga and Lotem from Naperville, Illinois, Ellie, Marin and Nash from Romstein Air Base in Germany, Isaiah from Kentville, California, Liam from Campbell, California, Sharice and Simone from Orlando, Taylor and Harper from Plymouth, Minnesota, Julian and Mila from Victoria, British Columbia, Abby from Thunder Bay, Ontario, Henry from Overland Park, Kansas, Paige and Nolan from San Jose, California, Judah from St. Paul, Zephyr from Whitstable, England, the 6th grade life science class from Mr. Gressith in Woodbury, Minnesota, Micah from Washington, D.C., Bruce and Dale from Edmonds, Washington, Narayan and Gabriel from San Diego, Riley from Piedmont, California, Nora from Ashland City, Tennessee, Dawood from Burridge, Illinois, Elena and Neve from Sydney, Lila from Brooklyn, Morgan from Seattle, Caden and Sokoa from Eagle, Idaho, Sophia from Fairbanks, Alaska, Avery from Los Angeles, Elliot from Portland, Oregon, Veronica from Brooklyn, Henry from London, Sophie from Los Angeles, Ari from Chesapeake, Virginia, Charlie and Isaiah from Vancouver, Washington, August from Charlottesville, Virginia, Lila and Rowan from Santa Barbara, California, Mira from Ardmore, Pennsylvania, Ignacio from Darnstown, Maryland, Araya from Calgary, Alberta, and Amelia, Evan, and Penelope from Winchester, California. We are right in the middle of our road trip. There are two more episodes coming in this series, so keep an eye out for them. And remember, if you sign up for the Brains On newsletter, we'll send you a link to our exclusive car fun activities. Head to brainson.org and click on newsletter. Then let the good times roll. Thanks for listening.